Thanks for checking out Radio 1 Chicago Presents Live from the Lair. This show was hosted by Patrick and me, Janine, and produced by Hacks for Radio 1 Chicago. You can find this podcast at Radio1Chicago.com, along with interviews, new music, and information about different artists from around Chicagoland. This week we have in the studio Kevin B. of the Housewife of Horror television program. And our featured artist is going to be the Microphone Misfits, a hip-hop group out of Chicago. Nice. So Kevin, uh, he's a local horror movie host based out of Aurora. Uh, the Housewife of Horror television program airs on Aurora Public Access, as well as uh, uh, Roku, so it's streaming worldwide. And we thought we'd have you in today to talk about kind of the ins and outs of public access, how that works, how you guys got your start using the medium, and then taking it a step further, how you kind of went worldwide using the internet and Roku as a way to kind of get your programming and content out to the rest of the world. So let's start with the with the public access angle. How did you get involved in that medium? Because it's kind of, uh, it's interesting that it still exists today with number one, so many people cutting the cord and not even using like cable at all. Right. 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 And, but it, it was such a huge deal, especially Aurora, like the home of Wayne's world. Yeah, you know? well, exactly. Yeah, it, it was such a huge deal like in the, uh, in the 80s and 90s. Um, I absolutely loved it as someone that grew up in Chicago. It had such so much wacky, diverse programming. You know? Yes, yes, it did, especially and, in the the eighties and nineties. Right. Um, I had I had some history with it earlier, mm-hmm. um, way earlier, uh, back in the nineties. A buddy and I, um, my buddy had taken the production class at the Naperville Public Access Station, which, being as grand as you would imagine, the Naperville Public Access Station is. Mm-hmm. It's had all sorts of great equipment and you go through this production class for like a hundred bucks mm-hmm. and then you have access to everything so you can just go in there you book your time you get your cameras your the whole board and everything and they just give you the run of the place so when Rachel and I started doing the show which um, she had come to me and asked if hey do you want to do a horror host horror host show literally out of the blue and had no idea that this was actually a lifelong dream of mine. Um, and so it was a pretty quick, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Not even, I, I wasn't even thinking, well, where's this, where's it going to air? Like it almost instinctively was like, well, sure. Yeah. We'll do a horror horror show. It'll be on public access. That's what you do. Um, so the next step would have been, well, she got a hold of the public access station in Aurora, um, found where the office is and, so, hey, why don't you go down there and talk to this talk to the guy who runs it and ask him about the production class. We couldn't find anything online about, about it. And so I went down there and I talked to the guy who runs it. And he's the only guy that runs that station. Yeah, the lone employee. Guy. Right. Well, think about municipalities. They're not going to pay for a huge, you know, crew of people yeah. to run this stuff. You know. Right. They they certainly aren't. And yeah. um, he he has he had grand visions and he was really enthusiastic. But when I asked about the production class, I got a very blank stare. Like, he had no idea what I was talking about. Because he was also very young. Right. So, it, so, I realized, okay, well, this, I guess, not a thing. We ended up, Rachel came back with me. We sat down and met with, um, with Nick. And sort of laid out what we wanted to do with the show. And so, he couldn't, couldn't devise a way where we would get the access to the access we couldn't take the cameras and stuff, but he would come and shoot the show for us at our house. He would edit it and put it all together. And uh, that's, wow! So he like, yeah. And that was 
Now, you're not paying him. Was that something that he did, like, of his own free time? Or was that, like, an extension of what his responsibility was with Aurora? I think that was a part of him running the station. He would go out and he would shoot, like, the... Parades the, and yeah, stuff. Or, all like, that council stuff. meetings, um, yeah. Yeah, and he, worked, he works for the mayor. And this is, this is a guy who's... He does a lot. And so, when we kind of started looking at the public access station, and going, okay, well, there's not a ton on here, which is great because... Hey, we're bringing some content. And he was super excited. He wanted to put more content on there because it's Aurora's public access station. Right. It's Wayne's World. There's, there's <laughs> a poster of Wayne's yeah. World in the lobby of the, the station. So there's no actual studio. There it is. comes to your house. Oh, so you decided, let's not use the studio. Come to my house. We're going to do this here. Yes, because we put our, well, our living room is our set. And when you see it, it's sort of our living room is set up to be the set of a horror host show. We've got... Yeah antique taxidermy all over the place we've got vintage board games and it's the thing about our show is that even though we go by housewife of horror and mr of horror and even though i talk like this and i don't actually talk like that if you've noticed (laughs) it's really us and we do it at home our kids are part of the show um our nine-year-old son will operate the camera from time to time and when i say camera at this point i mean iphone because oh so you're doing everything on that over time yeah this is something that Uh we learned through Trial and error. Um, that's some Selena Gomez shit. She just did her whole music video on that, and that's like a really big deal right now. I don't know if I'm flattered or offended. <laughs> well, but, Tangerine. We can go with that. Okay. The, I don't know what that means. But, it, was a, it was a movie that that was shot. It was probably one of the first mainstream movies that was shot entirely on iPhone. Okay, they right. used the Filmic yeah. Pro app, and I think they used an aftermarket um, lens, too, that like clipped on yeah. the outside. But yeah, it was. I mean, you can see it on Netflix. It got... Yeah. Wide theatrical distribution. It was shot entirely on like like two iPhones ago. Right. Well, and that's that's what we figured out because we just couldn't get it quite right with having other people shooting it, editing it. Um, it just it just didn't seem right. So we just kind of got a little control freaky about it and just took it in our own hands. And we didn't. We also didn't like the turnaround time of somebody else having all this footage and then we have to rely on them. Like, hey, hey where's where's our show? What's What's it look like? And if and I could just interject for a second, as do. somebody who's also a parent, you know, a lot of a lot of creative people kind of crap on like having kids. No, 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 no. I'm training my son to be a drummer. Like he's <laughs> he's got his kid as the cameraman for his right, show. Right. Like you could put these little guys to work oh, yeah. and make them do stuff, and they never say no. Mm-hmm. And if you teach them that it's fun, they actually enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they're going to become famous because your son's going to be a famous drummer, and yours probably going to be a cameraman or a producer. Well, yeah, and they they both um, our son and daughter have been on the show. We had one episode where our son was essentially our guest. He sat in a chair between us, and for every segment, the entire time, and he was he had a ball. Yeah, and it was great. And um, when it airs, um, when you watch our show on the um, on the Monster Channel, mm-hmm. well, when you watch it on EerieLateNight.com. It streams live, sort of. It's sort of set up like a TV station where it there's times when the shows air. So you have to get on there and log on at on Wednesday night at seven o'clock at eerielatenight.com. That wasn't subtle, but <laughs> there's uh, there's a live chat and we're always in the live chat and so we get that feedback and there's a group of people that have that get into the chat every week that we it's become this like this friendship and this family that we know like hey where's uncle paulie this week why isn't he here i want his facts right you know why is 
well, Mr. Pickle is always there. And these are people we also shout out on the show just because it just has become a part of it. But um, they, their, that reaction with when Fox was on the show, they it, were like, okay, well, that's that worked out, fantastic. <laughs> and it's a small segment, but it's uh, it's it's immediate feedback and it's fantastic. What made you make the switch from um, to use like more digital recording processes and? It was easier. It yeah. was quicker. Our turnaround time. A lot of times when we make when we put the show together, because we do it week by week at this point. Mm-hmm. When we started with um, with Aurora Public Access, we would make a show, put it up there, and then it was sort of like a little air until we put up a new one. Mm-hmm. And then we eventually got on with the Monster Channel after um, a little while because of our good friend and neighbor, the Bone Jangler, who is Aurora's other horror host because we have two because Aurora is fantastic <laughs> and so is the Bone Jangler um, I forgot where I was going with that but oh the turnaround time was quick right sure sure um, so once we got on the Monster Channel it was the first show aired and then Halloween Jack who runs the Monster Channel came back and said okay great what do you have for next week and right. we just went um, okay well I guess next week we'll do the Tingler and so it was like great It'll be on next week at 7 o'clock. But we hadn't made an episode with the Tingler, so we had until Tuesday night to make an episode. So we kind of hemmed and hawed over it, and over time it's evolved to where we know we have to get a show in to the Monster Channel by eh, Monday night. So a lot of times we'll shoot the show Sunday. Mm -hmm. I'll edit it Sunday night, sometimes into Monday, put it all together, send it off, and that's it. We just crafted a two-hour show in, I don't know, six hours. Um, so not having to wait for footage from other people and being able to have it. If I have it on my phone, I can edit it on my phone. And then I'll send the files to my computer, and then I'll finish it up there. But it just made it so much easier. And the, the things you can do with an iPhone and a laptop are... It's it's just amazing. Do you use iMovie for your I do. post yeah. suite? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got a few other I've got some other apps on there that I've been playing around with but it's still just it's just so much easier mm-hmm. and maybe if I can figure it out a little more over time we implement things because we do learn something new every week mm-hmm. and um, it gets hopefully a little bit better every week it's interesting because like public access the whole appeal of it back in the in the 90s was that it was like you could you could create content use their equipment Use their editing bays. It was on those giant VHS yeah. tapes, where like three quarter inch tapes or three eighths or whatever, mm-hmm. and like it was kind of like mimicking what we can all do now with the technology that we walk around in our pockets. But it was it was kind of introducing that to the masses. Like so, public access. If, if the listeners aren't aware, it's like a federally like mandated thing that all because we the people own the airwaves, right? Mm-hmm. So if these cable stations are going to be using the airwaves to broadcast content and selling ad space on it and blah, blah, blah. They also have to put aside a portion of the airwaves for the people to use. So that's why some of the bigger suburbs have these public access stations. Every municipality, every suburb still to this day has a public access station. It's very, like, you talk about Aurora. I know that uh, Willow Springs and then obviously Chicago they all do. I mean, I well, think they don't all have, have the like studio. They don't like have, have the studios. Okay. Only yeah. the bigger ones will have the studios, but everywhere, like I, I know, I live in Oak Forest, mm-hmm. and like we have a public access station, but it's not 
we don't. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. The um, and I wonder if it, I wonder how many of them are still operational. Why don't they have like they have the government access? So you have all your important city messages, right? All that stuff. That's mostly that's what they run. Yeah, right. And that's that's what I think they most of them become because um, when you mentioned that we can do all that stuff in, from the studio on our phones, it starts to make a little more sense why they don't offer a production class because why have all of this expensive equipment on hand that you can just you give out right to now. any weirdo who has a hundred bucks yeah. when you know we can make a show at our house and then just send the file over to the station and he can pop it into the, the, the schedule. And that's, and that's what we do too. Um, is we send it to the monster channel and we send it to ACTV. And so, well, that's what I want to get to in the next segment is that with, with Roku and, um, those internet stations, we've kind of, you know, with technology being where it's at, we don't need to use the public access stations equipment to produce the content. Right. And with, with outlets like Roku, now we don't even really need, the public access stations to broadcast the content because that's something that we can do entirely on our own. Exactly. But we'll get to that in the next segment. Our featured artists are the Microphone Misfits. This is Keep Watching featuring Mega Ran. Keep watching. <laughs> Little something for the puppy, puppy boys and girls to rock to. Rock, 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 rock to. Rock, rock, rock to. Break it on dollars, we can strike the thing. Nothing like tear down to spot me and my team. Been putting in work, watch the sweat hit the floor. Keep boy, your girl, Janine, do you have a question for our guests? Actually, I do. So 
So I have not personally seen the show. So I want to know what to How expect. Like, I know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I do I do have Roku. So now, um, you know, two-part question. First of all, what can I expect when tuning in? Um, well, it's madcap hilarity. Nonstop. <laughs> so the show is um, my wife, Rachel, and I. Mm-hmm. She being the housewife of horror. Mm-hmm. And I, Mr. of horror. Mm-hmm. Um, we... We host generally public or public domain movies, horror movies, mm-hmm. um, and we have our our segments, and it's a very traditional uh, sort of setup. But it's because the show is conceived by by my wife Rachel mm-hmm. as this is it's it's going to be us because mm-hmm. we're kind of weirdos. <laughs> I mean, not as far as we're concerned, we're fantastic. Right, right, right. But <laughs> from the outside, we understand that we're. She she puts it as this way that um, growing up when she first saw the Adams family, mm-hmm. she felt an immediate connection. Like this is me, and this is what I want my family to be. Right. Because they were they were a close family. They were loving. They were they fairly oblivious to the fact that they were way outside of the norm, right. but they didn't care. And that essentially is us. Our set is our living room. Mm-hmm. All of the antique taxidermy. That hangs around is, um, it's there all the time. It was actually, um, I won't say donated. It was on, it's on loan um, mm-hmm. by our buddy Scott of Scott's Vintage in North Aurora, where you can find all sorts of weird shit. Just so, there's noted. Go to Aurora yeah. for weird shit. Got North it. Aurora. Scott's <laughs> North Aurora, Aurora specifically. Yes. yes, it's on River Road, in North Aurora. Got it. Um, but we um, we just sort of sit and sometimes we discuss the movie sometimes we get off on tangents I don't know if you've noticed I can get off on a tangent pretty easily <laughs> noted and Rachel is just the same way so um, but it's a fun a fun sort of interplay between us and um, we like to we sort of pick movies that aren't the normal the normal so public like, domain give me a, a title like are you playing like the blob like old school or yeah they're they're mostly old school um, we've played we played House uh, House on Hunter Hill twice, nice. only because the first episode we showed was the House on Hunter Hill, mm-hmm. and then we wanted to, I, I don't know if we wanted to do it justice, but for Rachel's birthday episode a mm-hmm. few weeks back, mm-hmm. we re-showed House on Hunter Hill, and um, in there, there's some fairly obscure ones. One that I'm really um, impressed, she found an episode of an old um, Chevy Mystery Theater mm-hmm. show, and so it's an hour-long TV movie. Mm-hmm called The Machine Calls It Murder, which is a fairly rare episode of TV, and it's this really strange story of, a, of a, an insurance statistics analyst who finds that all these women have been murdered by running the punch cards on his 1960 old-timey computer, and mm-hmm. um, I came to find when I was doing a little research on it, this is a show that's been kind of in demand for computer nerds, like old-timey computer nerds. Mm-hmm. And um, so there's always something interesting. The, the last episode we showed, no, the week episode before, was actually a newer movie um, because something something we like to do and we wanted, would love to get more into is showcasing independent horror films. Cool. Um, we hosted the Chicago Horror Film Festival and so we found, we met the filmmakers of this really insane werewolf movie I don't even know if you can call it a werewolf movie. It's a monster movie called Fang. 
And so we started talking with them and worked it out where we showed it just the one time. Mm -hmm. It was that one Wednesday at seven o'clock, you could tune in and watch it. Mm -hmm. And then never again, mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know. Probably not, <laughs> probably never again. But um, are you doing like the commentary? So I'm gonna throw some names out there. So like most Chicago people know who Sven Gulli is. And as a kid, I'm that's... sorry, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's who I was watching as a kid. Right. And before that, Elvira. So would yeah. you say that your show is kind of those same elements to where you're... You know? Well, yeah, because it's a guy and a girl. So it's right. like yeah, so, we're, so we're essentially I mean, like, are you doing the same thing? So <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of lead in, you, you introduce the movie, right. you play right. the movie, you come back with a segment of commentary over the movie. Or is that kind of like the same Yeah, it's, setup? it's and that's how we explain it to people when they ask, like, well, what's a horror host? It's like, right. you know Sven Gulli? Yeah, I know Sven Gulli. Well, yeah. he's a horror host. Yeah, that's yeah. what they do. Rich Coase didn't want to come to your house, so <laughs> I got this guy. Perfect. <laughs> Rich Coase didn't so, want to come to your house. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should get some antique taxidermy. <laughs> Lure him right in, and then he can't leave. So, basically, and then you're bringing guests in as well sometimes? Occasionally, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what, who would these guests be? Or like, would well, one of them was our son. Okay. Um, he had no choice because he lives there. <laughs> but um, we don't do a lot of guests. We also will occasionally will go out into the world. So, we shoot at Scott's Vintage in North okay. Aurora. I okay. swear that's not a commercial. Just, I really like that place. How much is he go. paying you? That's what I want to know. He pays us an antique taxidermy. You know, I, that I, was a legit question I want to get to because they do, if you follow them on Instagram, they do a ton of events and you ran into them. I was just going to say, I, I ran into you guys at the All Night Flea Market. So that's an event that I've been doing for a while just because yeah. I'm from that area originally. Um, brought my mom and, and my uncle were there. So I saw you guys. I saw you guys oh, all fantastic. dressed up in your little booth and everything. Yes. So um, what were you doing there? You want to talk a little bit about like the experience you had there? Well, I was mostly sitting and talking to people. It was Perfect. fantastic. It's I what I do. <laughs> we, um, we actually hooked up with Zerko Promotions who do the all night flea markets okay. and they do pop culture cons and stuff we just we happened to go to a, a pop culture con last year in um, St. Charles at Pheasant Run sure. because some of our friends were there um, we went to go see John Borowski and we just I think um, Rachel who does all of the social media stuff she's like a mm -hmm. social media magician and I am more of a Luddite mm -hmm. so she kind of does, she does all of that kind of stuff. And she's wonderful to talk to. And I'm a horrible bore. So. I'm glad we had him on the show. Yes, you too. <laughs> Holy. The website said you had to ask him. I don't know. Yeah, well. <laughs> Fortunately, I was available. <laughs> she's otherwise occupied because people enjoy her company. Perfect. Um, so she, she had started talking with Tim Zirko and we... Went there just to sort of check it out, and then we asked, "Hey, can we come back tomorrow and shoot some segments?" And he said, "Yeah." And then he offered us. He said, "Hey, you know, you guys should come, and we'll give you a table." And so we started going to some of the, uh, the conventions, and we did um, the Haunted Flea Market, um, the Lake County PopCon, and actually coming up at the end of November, we'll be doing the Holiday. Well, I don't know what it's called. It's gonna be embarrassing, but uh, it's the Holiday Horror Con. At Pheasant Run, and you guys, do you get recognized at these things? More and more. I mean, yeah. as as you kind of touched on, we have there's still all that work to do to get the show out there because right. um, we'll show up and people will say, "Hey, this is interesting. Who are you?" Right. And then I'll say, "Who are you?" And that goes on for about right. ten minutes. And then, but how long have you away. been on the air? Then I guess we should uh, ask that. A little over a year. So you are still fresh. Oh, absolutely. So this is a perfect. Yeah, because I. 
I probably followed you on social media for six months before I watched the first episode. Yeah. See, it was. Yeah, no, it did. And yeah, it, absolutely. And then I watched it and I was like, okay, and then we needed, this kind of came up and I was like, well, he's from here, you know. Yeah. Um, but wow, that's, so you are really good at social media because you popped up no, on my radar almost. I am not very right. good at social the person media. That we're my not wife is fantastic at it. Right. The person that's yeah. not here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, that, I mean, as far as, obviously, yeah, she's doing a very good job because yeah. it, it popped up on everyone's radar coming up almost instantly and you're already doing events and stuff yeah well and then people ask well so how do i see your show is it like on the youtube Uh, and i say no it is not and then we stare at each other for a little while and then i slowly let it out um if you go to housewifeofhorror.com you'll find the um the instructions on how to watch which is the whole thing because we're worldwide on roku um but some people might not know how to find it. We're also online at eerielatenight.com. Um, so as we get more and more people, we do have people start to come up and they recognize that they come out to see us and to talk to us. And, and the, we, you can watch it for free, essentially, is what oh, you yeah. right? It's completely oh, yeah, free. Oh, yes, exactly free. You don't have to subscribe. Right. So why not do a YouTube channel in addition? We never wanted to get, do YouTube. We just felt like it was um, kind of oversaturated. And there was such a low barrier to entry. Um, and I think maybe it was annoying that everybody asked, oh, oh, so you're on YouTube? And we just wanted to Not just really like shaking our fist at people. And I, I, can, I can respect like the kind of immediacy needed for watching um, something on streaming on Roku is that you mm-hmm. have to tune in at that time at that, on that night and watch it. Right. Otherwise, it's gone forever. And it's not something like with YouTube where I can watch 15 minutes of it's 15 minutes of it on my lunch break and then maybe get back to it later yeah, or something it's disposable. like that. Right. No. And yeah. I, I th- think that that's one of the things that we really do lose with so much on demand viewing is when you would have to sit down with your friends every Tuesday night and watch the shield and you know, you had to watch it, you know, you would get to yeah. roommates and you would do that stuff and, or Wednesdays and watch, right. You know, the housewife of horror. Right. Um, but I, I, one of the things that like totally, um, made me kind of gravitate towards you as a guest was the fact that you do do the Roku streaming channel because a lot of people have Roku sticks they they, mm-hmm. they don't use cable they cut the cord right. and they use uh, Amazon Fire Sticks or Roku Sticks um, because you can get YouTube or I'm sorry you can't get Hulu you can't get Netflix you can get all that stuff you can get the HBO streaming and stuff like that but what a lot of people don't know is that with Roku there is like basically unlimited pirate bootleg streaming channels that basically anybody can make and anybody can upload content to and it's very unregulated and it's it's really goes back to what public access was in the 80s and 90s it's totally come full circle and instead of aurora public access or chicago public access it's roku which is worldwide public access um so i don't know how involved you are with the monster vision channel the Monster eerie, Channel. Eerie Monster Channel. I'm sorry. Eerie Late Night Monster Channel. Eerie Late But like, how, like, because I, as soon as like, I got a Roku and I found out about that, I was like, because kind of like you were at that young age, you went to the public access station. Right. Okay, how do I play with this? Yeah. That's exactly what I did when like Roku came out and I was like, wait a minute, we can make, we can make channels? Like, how do I make my own TV? I, it's Absolutely. not just like having a time slot now on Aurora Public Access. Right. Now you have this whole entire channel. Right. So like, what's... What's the mechanics behind that? Like, how much do you know about like how that works? Very little. I don't. I, I don't actually. 
<laughs> I didn't make the channel. I um the channel is run by a gentleman named Halloween Jack. Okay. Um, which I believe is his local? full legal name. No, he's out on the East Coast. So how did he find um, you? He found us through our pal, the Bone Jangler, who had us. He's in Aurora. Yeah, and got he got us, got in touch with us, asked us to be on his holiday special last year. Okay. And um, whether whether he had seen our show on ACTV or through social media, um, we just we had started getting really involved in this community of horror hosts, which is much broader than I had any idea about. Um, we've really we've met a lot of really good friends and seen a lot of great shows just from being a part of it and finding all this stuff. But um, so Bone had us on the show. He came to our house to shoot a segment and it went over pretty well, it turns out. So when after that, that episode had aired, um, they also do a, uh, uh, I guess it's a podcast, but the Eerie Late Night radio show. And um, I called in and just kind of chatted with them a little bit. And Halloween Jack had just offhand mentioned, well, maybe one day we'll get some uh, some of your episodes up on here. And I just was like, oh, sure, why not? Okay. And then eventually it, that actually happened. And it so just... now it's a year later. Now it's a year later and he... he Keeps asking what's on next week, so we continue to be on next week. <laughs> How do you see it evolving, though? Like, what what more can you do? I mean, it's it's you're playing movies every single week. Right. I mean, fifty two well, weeks in a year. It's true. At by. some point, a break would be nice. In right. fact, we had a break this past week because okay. we made our Halloween special, which aired on Halloween, and then it was re-aired on Wednesday night gotcha. because I think Jack wanted to take a little bit of um, sympathy on us and give us a week where. Because because I think he realizes too if he just if he asks we'll give it to him because right. we really do love making the show it's a lot of fun um, it's every single week it is right. it is and um, but there's it, a lot of opportunities have come out of it where um, we had hosted the Chicago Horror Film Festival and we met some filmmakers through there and so started seeing some of this the same way the the Roku channel is a very underground sort of pirate radio thing it's all very punk rock mm. and the filmmakers that we met at the Chicago Horror Film Festival were the independent filmmakers who are making films in that same punk rock spirit um, the way we make our show very DIY literally we do it all ourselves mm. from soup to nuts we, we shoot it we set up the lights in our house set up the tripod if Fox doesn't feel like working the camera mm. I'll just go and I'll hit record and just go sit back down we do it all ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so these independent filmmakers who do the same sort of thing, um, I would like at some point to feature some more of their their work as a way just to sort of kind of work together. Like we're yeah. Well yeah, and, and it's sure. if we have if we have an outlet and they have a thing to get out to the world, I would love nothing more than to get that thing out to the world. And it's an echo chamber to too, because you're helping them. They're going to draw attention towards you. Sure. And it's like when you, when you're showing like old Roger Corman movies, like Roger Corman don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like, don't say that. <laughs> Roger Corman's a big fan. Yeah. But at least if you're helping local people out, then they're going to in turn support right. you and they're going to draw people towards, Hey, come watch my show. It's being streamed online at this. Yeah. Right. Well, and when you say local, it, we live in a world where there's no local anymore. Right. There's no, we, the, you know, local is Buffalo, New York mm -hmm. and local is the Hague. And when they give us the breakdown of the, of where our show has been watched mm -hmm. that week, 
Um, it just blows my mind. The Hague is always the one that sticks out. I'm like, they're watching us at the world court. The security guard is sitting there, and he's like, yeah, go on and go ahead. What's the Hague? Uh, that's where the uh, the war crimes tribunals are. It's like in Amsterdam, something like that. Okay. Don't ask me the hard <laughs> questions. <laughs> you brought it up. Do you know? Um, yeah, well, Jack will give us a breakdown of how many countries it showed in, and he'll give us generally like the top 20. But Have you ever thought, so... So to my earlier question, where do you see yourself next if you were thought of going on tour? Like, what if you start doing, you know, I, I'll be your, your tour manager if that was a new idea for you because it looks like it was. But what if you were to do a tour, you know, in the in the next year? Or did an now, original content show. I mean, Or I, you're yeah. filming at every yeah. different horror host's place around right. the U.S. or something, you know. You're their guest, essentially, and you just book yourself to tour. I mean, like, where do you see yourself? Well, there's, these are all sort of ideas that pop up and we discuss and sort of put on the back burner um right now we're really just focusing on first of all figuring out how to make our show because (laughs) it is diy when we started we had no idea and so we learned like i said we learned something new every week and as we go along we just want to build the show and i feel like once we get to a place where we're comfortable we kind of branch out more and we sort of already have a little bit with hosting the film festival going to more and more conventions and Shows and um, I know. Well, I, I can't can't talk about that. It's a secret project. Oh, oh you've got super secret, secret projects. I don't have a secret <laughs> project. Well, so, I do. We all have secret projects. So, who are your influences? Like, how did you? Let's start there. Who are your influences? Well, mm, I go. was always very acutely aware of horror hosts okay. from a young age, and not just from Sanguli, who was, of course, the one that I watched, but just the the sort of presence of like Zachary from way back before I was born um, and in an area that I've never lived. Pennsylvania. Who is that? Um, New York. Zachary was the cool ghoul. He, um, he's just a fantastic, and in fact, at one point, I think he hosted American Bandstand. Okay. um, Guest hosted, but he's one of the sort of top tier of horror hosts and you go back to Vampira who was in Plan 9 from Outer Space but also one of the original horror hosts Mm -hmm. in L.A. And um, that just that idea of it always really appealed to me. When I was thirteen or fourteen, I always spent my Friday nights at home, not because I was a loser. That was separate. <laughs> I spent them at home because on Friday nights I would watch um, AMC, where they showed the old Universal monster movies, and they were hosted by Peter Graves, who I cannot believe was not a horror host. But he technically was, because he was, but he was just very, the, in his little dignified chair, and the guy from Airplane is hosting these shows. And his name is Peter Graves, for crying out loud. Right. He was Men born for it. Yeah. So in my mind, Peter Graves was one of my, like, had-to-watch horror hosts. Um, of course, at the same time, I would be, I would flip over to Headbangers Ball, and they have, I have a very, very sharp memory of the one night where they were showing The Wolfman on AMC. And so I had taped... The Wolfman. This is my favorite Universal monster at the time. And then I flipped over to Headbangers Ball and kept the tape rolling, and it was when Rancid was on. So I have The Wolfman, and then I have Lars and Brett Reed from Rancid, <laughs> and I watched that tape till. I'm pretty sure it still exists somewhere. It's in a box somewhere. I want to find it because that's like, that's a cherished memory for me. That, that Those two things built essentially the, the entirety of my personality for the rest of my life, I think. But, um, 
at some point in the 2000s, when I was living in Aurora, um, I had gotten the notion to search for horror hosts because I wanted to see something other than Svengoolie. No, no disrespect to Svengoolie. I love Svengoolie, but he's the one guy. And I knew that there was this other world out there. And I fa- actually found the Bone Jangler online. And I was... I was this was early fifth. 2000. Yes. And now yeah. you guys are friends. Right, right. Well, and the thing about it, I knew he was on Aurora's public access station. I had Dish Network, and I searched for two weeks for that station, and I couldn't find it. And I was banging my head against the wall trying to figure out how to watch this show that was just looked fantastic, but I could never see it. Um, and that, I think, would bring us back to the, the topic of public access and how it sort of has faded to where it's just sort of a, in a corner back right, there. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's like a <clears throat> required by law. And that's right. literally it. Yeah. Right. Well, and as public access is sort of, I'm not going to say on the wane, but it's, you know, if you look at it as, as it's sort of sinking while these Roku channels are rising, they're maybe right now meeting at the same point, mm-hmm. but the Roku channels are on the upswing. and Definitely, yeah. You know, Ten years from now, it's what, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We'll all be on, uh, be like Christian Slater and pump up the volume, <laughs> which is how I like to see myself. <laughs> So that's kind of um, where your influences came from. Mm-hmm. But then tell me a little bit, bit about then when did you meet Rachel and what was she doing during this time? You know, who were her influences, if you know? Well, Rachel, Rachel and I met. Um, we've been married for five years mm-hmm. um, and she had been traveling. She'd been kind of all over the place. She lived in Alaska. She lived in California. She lived in Arizona. Um, but she was always a, a horror fan, the same same as I was. She is obsessive about the monsters and the Adams family. <clears throat> and it really and that is what I grew up on. My dad and my brother were obsessed with the monsters. We had to watch it. Did you just go see um Eddie? What's I his did. real name? Bush, Bush Patrick. Yeah. My yes. dad just went to go see him too. Did he? You know yeah. where you saw him? Um he was at a car dealership in St. Charles. Because oh, he was also at Scott's Vintage in North Aurora. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you. Damn it, Scott, you did a great job with this uh, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scott, yeah. I'll be expecting a check. Yeah, I actually, I peeped <laughs> you guys on Instagram, a... and I saw the, yeah. I did see the pictures of you guys with mm-hmm. him and Instagram. He hasn't really changed. I mean, you can really see Eddie still. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. It's yeah. crazy. It is. It's bizarre, because that was a child. And this is a uh-huh. grown man. I don't yeah. know how much he appreciates it, but I assume he, he likes I mean, it. he's still doing the... the I mean, yes, little, he can't, can't yeah. be too... Si- sign in autographs. I mean, he's paying the bills still, so don't worry about him. He's all right. right, right. But yeah, it was it was pretty neat that, that he would be in a small town. Like I said, we yeah. saw him in, or my dad saw him in St. Charles. Super oh, excited at, at Ghoulish about Mortals. It. What was it? Ghoulish Mortals in St. St. Charles. He went to, um, and this is a, another great shop in the area in uh, downtown St. Charles. It's a horror themed shop called Ghoulish Mortals. Oh my gosh, I never um, heard of it. That's where I grew up. By, I'm by, uh, our friends Warwick and Dove. And it's it's a great shop. You, What's in it? Um, everything from fantastically horrific to disgusting. It's just it's horror themed art and collectibles, and they've they've started showing movies in the basement on um, so smart. like one night a week. Yeah, it's it's a fun shop, and you know from gosh, just horror themed everything. I mean, they sell. You can get them. They'll take a picture of your head. And then you come back the next day and you have your head in a jar. Perfect. <laughs> it's awesome. 
Yeah. So, so very creative. All right. Yeah. And these are the sort of things that we've gotten to experience and be a part of from starting up this show. And so it's it's really just sort of been this whirlwind of activity and it's made our lives that much richer. Cool. All right, we're going to cut to a song and then we'll be right back. You're listening to Space Invaders featuring Mega Ram. Already know where my taser set. Space Invaders. Stop invading my space. When we speak about space, the idea is infinite. On a much smaller scale, space is intimate. Bag on up, you too close to me, man. Don't need your energy disrupting my plans. Every single day, I know where I stand in a space where my destiny is in my hands. When I sense an invasion across my scans, weapons on the ready, shields at the max. I'm ready for this action when it starts to happen. Left to the right with the button tapping. You already know where my taser set. You already know what invaders get. Ain't no stopping this team, we are the movement. You claim you the op, you already losing. I ask you nice to get about my face and get off my toes. You invaded my space. Now we fam, you have more freedom to invade. Lots of dues paid, foundation laid. Far from a stranger from across the planet. But please don't take this leeway for granted. When you out, peep the social cues. Quiet down, you forcing me to be rude. Take control of your overbearing behavior. Not a judgment on you, it's just not my flavor. Obnoxious sense from ladies and gents. Sensory overlord, I wish I could prevent. Strong perfume, powerful cologne. Even in the public place, I want to be left alone. Take this lesson, don't save it for later. Apply it so you can be something greater. And before my DJ crosses the fader, ask yourself, what makes you a space invader? Thank you in advance for your consideration. Not looking for no confrontation. I know it can't be an uncomfortable conversation, but we gotta be aware of space invasion. Thank you in advance for your consideration. Not looking for no confrontation. I know it can't be an uncomfortable conversation, but we gotta be aware of space invasion. Space, can you chill? Give me room, play the tune, but respect the force field. Head strong, bets on, but you guess wrong. Step back, cause you too close, like the next song. So I'ma have to get up. It isn't that I'm set up, man, I'm cool, but the way my anxiety is set up. Close talker, don't bother. As I age, my disdain for folks just grows stronger. Visiting clubs is killing my buzz. Spill drinks, loud tunes, not to mention the drugs. Just cause you buzz, you ain't gotta wrestle and shove. I'm into the love, but not the unsolicited hugs. So ask permission for past skipping. Back to fiction, be nice and scrap the mission. Listen, right click this and save for later. Change your behavior, don't be a space invader. Thank you in advance for your consideration. Not looking for no confrontation. I know it can't be an uncomfortable conversation, but we gotta be aware of space invasion. Thank you in advance for your consideration not looking for no confrontation i know it can't be an uncomfortable conversation but we gotta be aware of space invasion Kevin B., Mr. of Horror of the Housewife of Horror television program. So you talked about earlier how you kind of got um, 
at beginnings watching AMC Friday night. Uh, I was doing the same thing on Saturday night, staying and waiting for VH1 to turn into Comedy Central so that MST3K ah, yeah, would, yeah. would yeah. screen on Saturday nights. What were some of the, you know, those definitive 80s horror movies that kind of locked you in on the genre? There's, there were um, two or three videos that I rented every time as a child, like a small child going to Video Villa back when, if you're younger than a certain age, you might not realize that video stores were like the thing. Right. And and the really good ones were always the mom and pops. They weren't oh, the yeah. blockbuster yeah. Hollywood video. And the best ones also had arcade games. So they keep you there and they would put them right next to the horror section. Right. And that's how you get weirdos like me. Because we'd play Mortal Kombat and we'd go look at all the movies and then we'd pick the one based on the cover. The box, yeah. Yeah. But as a really small child, I would rent the Michael Jackson thriller um, tape okay. because it had that the fantastic video directed by John Landis and then after that they had the making up with all of the special makeup effects I think it was I think Rick Baker did probably that. yeah um, and so that was one of the things that started to kind of cue me in. and I was already a, a monster kid for whatever reason I, I gravitated to the monster books at the library from the second I could read mm-hmm. the first thing I ever remember reading about was Mothman and wow yeah so i had some weird nights sometimes but <laughs> this but so i would get that and then um oh and godzilla 1985 yes and that my favorite part of that is the beginning where you have a little animated short bambi, bambi versus godzilla, godzilla yeah fantastic i still love it <laughs> but and then of course the monster squad oh yeah which is i think every anybody who's our age and into horror has probably obsessed about the Monster Squad because that movie's great. Sure, yeah. Um, it was uh, Stan Winston made all the the creatures. Fred Decker and Shane Black um, wrote it and directed it, and it's just Shane Black was probably like nineteen when he wrote that. So yeah, well, and uh, Fred Decker. I actually I just had listened to an interview with him. Um, was he the guy that did all the Critters movies? think he did critters but he did come up at least come up with the idea for house um which oh, yeah. then i guess shane black went and, and wrote and that's that's another one that is big in our house house <laughs> house two is actually huge. no i was i was just gonna say that house two was was so crucial to me that was like the right chemistry for me growing up it was horror but comedy right right because right. it was it was because as a kid it's scary but then you would laugh so you would deal with the horrificness of it. Yeah. House one was always a little bit too dark. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, and I think was it George went. I know they both had yeah. Cheers actors. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, John George Ratzenberg was in two. Uh, yeah, John Ratzenberg mm-hmm. was in two. George went was in the first one with right. uh, the Last American Hero, um, <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and then uh, Cliff Clavin in the second one. Right, but yeah, the the horror comedy stuff of the eighties was fantastic, and it was great. Um, it was great for the video store because like Ghoulies. You, how drawn to that cover were you? This little creature coming out of a toilet. That was right. the only movie. I, I didn't. I didn't grow up in a very conservative household, but that was the only movie where my mom made me take it back to the video store because the opening is so ridiculously effing satanic that my mom was like, "No, no, no, no! You're bringing this back." And I probably came back with like Critters too. Yeah. And and she was like, "Okay." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no big deal. But Ghoulies was like, yeah, was, well, too, was too much. Same same thing with my my house growing up. Like we weren't, you know, extreme and one way or the other. But there were certain 
lines that you just it's like okay you're a child you're right. not watching this and like you're not listening to Danzig and you're not watching Grudens <laughs> but then somehow I ended up remember I remember sitting on the living room floor watching The Gate when I was oh my god those I had little... been younger than nine right but, um, yeah that movie terrified me my uncle tortured me with that we were I remember I was at his house and it came on and when the thing broke. And like they turn into the little guys. Yeah. Run yeah. Around, I started screaming and I'm like, turn the channel, change the channel. Like, no. Like, you have to watch this. And when my aunt, like, him and my aunt, my uncle and my aunt were babysitting me and she's like, turn it off, turn it off. And he's like, no, 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 he's got to watch it. He's got to watch it. That, oh my God, okay. Stephen Dorff. Yeah, that explains they, a lot. They bury like a metal record in the backyard and like an evil tree grows oh, up. It's, it's so ridiculous. They, uh, I don't know if they play it backwards, but all right. of the secrets of opening this gate to hell were found on a heavy metal record. <laughs> which is the most 80s thing. Yes, of course. <laughs> that was like, that was the, the crux of the satanic panic. Right. So, and then um, there was, I don't know, was it Trick or Treat? Um, not the more recent one that's really fantastic. The earlier one with had like Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne, which kind of goes in with that satanic panic thing. But um, there's really no end to 80s. Or, some of them you won't even remember because you just grab them off the video shelf because that cover was so awesome. Right. Um, there's a movie that keeps popping back into my mind over the last several weeks called Midnight. I don't remember a thing about it. I just remember that we got it because it was an awesome cover. Um, probably had some like some girl in various states of undress and like she was in trouble and we were like oh well, let's see how she gets out of this one um do you still have a vhs a, v- a vcr at home i do there's we have a couple but they're like buried in the closet right because yeah. movie collections as much as we want to hold on to that it's just so much easier when you're looking to declutter it's like well we got all this stuff in a little flash drive or right. in the ether so we can put these away in the garage um but I kept mine for um, TerraVision, mm-hmm. which I think probably now they're re- they're really good about re-releasing all this, like Vinegar Syndrome and, and the different companies that like you know oh, yeah, yeah. buy the rights and re-release. But right. Rawhead Rex, oh my god, I love Rawhead Rex. I remember seeing it on uh, Channel Fifty one night and getting to the part with the priest and being yeah. like, "What? Yeah. Oh, same. <laughs> you better be watching it at the same time, thinking the same thing." Yeah, just playing with my Legos, yeah. and be like, "Huh." And then uh, Terrorvision was another one, which was a weird, poppy, sci-fi horror, right. kind of gross and like gruesome and nihilistic, but yeah. like very tongue-in-cheek and funny with a horror host, yeah. Medusa. Well, and there was uh, and well, and horror hosts pop up in a lot of movies. In fact, one of the movies that was screened at the Chicago Horror Film Festival this year is called Skeletons in the Closet. That was a sort of anthology movie uh-huh. that was the the centerpiece of it was a, was a husband and wife horror host and. The wife was that Tony husband. Wash that directed it? Do you remember? I don't remember. I should. And it's embarrassing okay. that I don't. No, it's all right. There's a lot of things I don't remember. <laughs> I'm lucky on. I wore shoes today. <laughs> Got a lot on my mind. So you were saying about it, it was kind of a horror anthology with hosts? Yeah, yeah. And um, a horror anthology with the horror host as the centerpiece. The horror hosts were a husband and wife team, and the wife had murdered her husband. And um, at some point when... If you get a hold of our show and you find it at uh, eerielatenight.com and Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, or you go to housewifeofhorror.com and you find the Roku instructions, um, one of our running gags is that my wife is constantly trying to poison me. Uh, I assure you, it's a joke. I'm blinking twice. But we, we found that to be just really... It wasn't even like, like, oh my God, how dare they? That's us. They did that. No, it was fantastic. But yeah. 
um, horror hosts and and horror anthologies are really kind of made for each other. Right. I love anthology movies. Creep Show, um, the Creep Show one, eh, Creep Show two ish, and the um, the show on Shudder that we've been we've been watching the, the first season is fantastic. Um, I don't like Shudder. I won't have anything to do with that. <laughs> they ran a the, when they first went on uh, when that when that station first started. They started this contest called Shutter Labs, okay. which was uh, it was like an incubator program for independent filmmakers, and they were gonna pick like uh, seven filmmakers, give them each fifteen grand. Larry Fesden or something was like you know your mentor, mm-hmm. and you were gonna supposed to go to uh, some hotel and like write your movie and then get the money and then go make it. Blah blah blah. And, uh, the, the, I, I applied and I, I, you know, was in the running and it was such a long drawn out process. And the people they ended up picking, like one of them was a BET executive, oh. like they did not pick like independent people at all. It was all people that were pretty well ingrained in mm-hmm. the media already. Not in the entertainment industry. Right. And it was, I was like, oh, what? Goodness. And I remember everybody telling me like, you're not, no, that's not how, they're not going to give it to you. It's freaking guy from Chicago like they're gonna be people so yeah I Shudder I know they do amazing things and they're they do great things with the horror community so you're salty oh fuck yeah <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm very, fair enough sorry I'm fair very enough. Uh, I'm very bitter well now they know Spites carried me very far right. in life. well so yeah it's done well for we'll do that. It's a good motivator <laughs> yeah you're telling me man it's where I, why I'm sitting here today um one of the things that we that, that kind of um Put you on my radar as far as social media goes is an Instagram post that you had made. I was already following you, of course, but you mentioned Boris the Sprinkler. Yes, I which did. I was like, you couldn't pick a more like bizarre esoteric band from my <laughs> childhood. I was literally listening to Boris the Sprinkler on the way here. Get out of here! Yeah. So what? So let's talk about Boris. Like, how did love to? Did you see him like at off the alley and stuff? His kids. Oh like, yeah, that's when yeah, I realized that yeah. like, okay, you're cool like normal. Yeah. Punk rock person, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. so. Like, what was like music growing up, or like high school, or you know? Oh, yeah. Well, Boris the Sprinkler was like our weird little thing. I mean, sure. All of the the, the local bands, the Meshuganas, yeah. And, um, Thirty Seconds Deep. Um, they might be a little bit deep, but um, deep pole. But um, gosh, I'm blanking. But there's you know Tricky Dick and of course yeah. Slapstick. All those all those bands. Like we were going to all those shows at the uh, the Fireside off the alleyway. Some of my high school bands, we played it off the alley repeatedly for some reason. Were you there when they had the wrestling room? I don't think so. They had, it was towards the end of uh, the off the alley days, but they had that room off to the side. Like if you're looking at the stage, Mm -hmm. there was a room off to the side and there was this guy that we called the kindergarten cop. He was like the security guard. Yeah, I think I remember that. And he had like, there was mats on the walls. And oh my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. go in there yeah. and wrestle for some right. reason. Right, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Because yeah. I definitely remember playing there as they were sort of at the end. Because, um, well, they were attached to Record Swap. Right. John Benetti worked at Record Swap yeah. and then he booked the shows. Well, the, the other Record Swap location was in downtown Naperville. Ah. And that was like our hangout. Um, we had some we had friends working there and it was just, it was a very... It was just a perfect sort of thing. What band um, were you in? Um, or bands? I, it's usually more than one. Oh, you've heard of them all. Well, the, <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the I was in a band. In you didn't know he was a drummer for the Tossers. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, the Tossers, um, they lived in downtown neighborhood. Right. Well, yeah. yeah. And uh, the manager of the record swap was like one of their roommates. Um, but, and I, just, I remember that from parties at the Tosser house. But, uh, no, I was... Uh, I, I don't even remember all the band's names, but um, SWAT was one of them. 
the early high school band, The Exiles, Pipe Bomb. Um, what, did you, what did you play? Um, I was what most punk rock bands bass, refer to as the vocalist because oh. we can't be a singer okay. because none of us know how to sing. Right. Myself, especially. Um, in, in fact, Pipe Bomb was like a sort of grindcore, noisecore, like spaz, Charles Bronson sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so singing was just the furthest thing away from what I was doing. And um, I had to stop doing that because it was just destroying my body. But that takes a decent time. amount of chutzpah as a kid to like just be like, no, I'm just a vocalist. Because a lot of times it's like the guitar player yeah, that writes the, the songs. Yeah. And then oh, I had chutzpah. I had it in spades, my <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's also I couldn't do anything else, and like you know, just kind of get together with friends. You like, don't play any instruments, is what you're saying. I mean, not well. Okay. I, or, well, I've, band, I've sort so. of played guitar and bass off and on over the years to the point where I would expect that at this point I was more adept at it. Turns out you actually have to try. And <laughs> nah, I don't know. Yeah. And I've got other things to do. I've got a show to make every week. So. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and of course, with growing up a horror fan. I inevitably gravitated towards what really kind of got me into punk rock at the, the early age was when was a buddy of my brother's gave him a tape that had on the one side was Black Flags, Everything Went Black, and then The Misfits Collection 1. Right. And The Misfits, that's how they get you. That's They're like, yeah. oh, you're a, you're a horror kid. You're a monster kid. Right. Check this out. And it's like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. Okay. Super catchy 50s pop songs that right. are just about horror movies. And right. I came across them because of Metallica. I think a lot of people have the Metallica backdoor in because they covered Last right. Caress yeah. on the Binge and Purge box set. And if you were like a teenage metalhead, and then you're like, this is the best Metallica song ever. <laughs> ah, no, it's not. It's the Misfits. That's interesting because it actually, that's what got me into Metallica for <laughs> one song. Right. And I was never a big Metallica fan, like right. off and on casual, but like, I was like, oh, they, they cover the Misfits? And I, was, I was like, oh, that's that's a great Metallica song. What else have they got? I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm going to listen to the Misfits. Did you happen to see Veronica? I have not. I have not seen I'm very curious. I, I saw it uh, with dancing at the Music Box. Oh, yeah. you Duh. I was your date. You're, you're not who your date was. You're not my date. But you, yes, you were there with Oh, yeah, you have a wife. Never mind. <laughs> there was a lot of people there that yeah. night. But um, It was the most bizarre thing as not somebody who is really into film or filmmaking. You have to... It's, it was artistic, I'd say. Well, I would imagine so. He thought it was. It's, it was it's, sexual. It's very, it, was, it was everything. Uh, it was yeah, beautiful. Of course, yes. These I, are all things I would expect. I do stuff... I write stuff for... Um, Bloody Disgusting and Daily Grindhouse occasionally. Okay. And uh, I covered it for Daily Grindhouse, and I purposely put in the review that it was the best horror movie of the year, because I'm hoping that it makes it on the poster eventually. <laughs> but I didn't expect the backlash to be so severe against oh that God. movie, that I think as soon as people saw that in my review, they're like, this guy's fucking pandering for I don't really understand, like, is that how his mind actually works? It's so dancing. It's, okay, it's, well then, yes. I haven't seen it, but I can just say yes. So it's like, It looks like a Jalo movie. It's all, like, super, mm-hmm. like, it looks like Fulci. It's, like, the orange blood, like, neon lights. Like, Lots of movies. Fantastic. Naked so, women. So many foreign, naked women. Naked women, but they're, like, ditzy, and, like, they're definitely prostitutes or it's, something. It's the like, 90s, I don't know where he got them. It's the 90s porn star aesthetic that, like, you just haven't seen lately. Oh, no, I've, I've seen a dancing video I know <laughs> yes, how it goes yes it's yeah. like that but it's not black and white and it's it the most exciting. saturated like re, like the colors it's just and then to have them like come out come out into the audience afterwards and be like why'd you guys laugh at that 
Oh my god! It, it, was he confrontational? He was. Of course, I'm, it's Glendale. Yeah, but he was. But at the same time, like everyone kept applauding him and cheering. Right. That like he, he couldn't. He couldn't get angry at us. No. Because we were uh, we were like celebrating him. Right. But you right. could tell like he was kind of like these guys laughing at me. <laughs> I don't know. They're still clapping. That's yeah. all that matters. Right. right. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody's there because they love dancing. Right. But you know. The reaction was just, it was genuine because when you watch something that, that's the thing about horror and comedy and why they go so well together that they, you get that reaction that the, the scare the or the laugh. Yeah. And sometimes when you have that scream, you laugh afterwards because it's just sort of that balancing out. Right. But you can't really fake it when it's that. Gen- and so when you're laughing at something that you're supposed to be freaked out about, it's, it's the most genuine review you can get. <laughs> so... Don't you really can't go up there like, wait, guys, why are you being rude? Don't laugh at my stuff. He's like, you guys are rude. Really make some stuff, funny man. shit, man. You were supposed to be laughing at that. That was yeah. you guys are some sick puppies, man. You're laughing at that movie. Man, if Glenn Danzig calls you a sick puppy, like <laughs> that's what goes on your poster. <laughs> Wasn't he talking about how it was too expensive or whatever? He like didn't have enough budget. Wasn't he talking about something like he was complaining about there was not enough budget? Yeah, he was kind of like, I mean, you could. It was very. I don't know. Maybe they shot. They must have like spent way too many cans of film, like shooting that scene with her bathing in the blood. Maybe like just this naked girl like rubbing fake blood on her tits for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, like was, not even exaggeration. It was like uncomfortably long. Fifteen minutes, and we're all sitting there looking at each other like, "What's gonna happen?" And then you start laughing because you're like, "What do we do at this point?" He's not cutting away. <laughs> this man has no concept <laughs> of like the aesthetics of film. But I will say this: it was you realized that like. He made zero compromises making that movie. Oh, that yeah. that is one hundred percent downloaded directly from his brain mm-hmm. to that forty foot screen that you're watching it on. Right. There's no more authentic replication of what the hell is going on inside Glenn Danzig's brain than Veronica. And it's I, just a woman. Did in you a ever vat see that that video, the Danzig video, right around when the first Danzig record came out? Oh, welcome um, to my book collection. Yeah, yeah. No, I have that. I still have that tape. We had that in high it's school. Yeah, so great. Welcome but, to my book yeah. collection. Yeah. That, but that, that's exactly who he is. It's, it's like that fake, like, like kind of intellectual. Like, you know he's not dumb. No, no, he's not. But um, he's not... You can well, tell, like... I don't think anything about him is fake. That's yeah. all real, and he's so into it. But it's just... He lives in dancing land. <laughs> nobody else lives there, because nobody gets past that gate. So, it's just going to get weirder and weirder. But, um, yeah, that's... that. Downloading from his brain is something that, That's kind of yeah, it's, yeah, it's not for the it's not for the masses. No, for sure. but I, I, it made me feel young again. It made me feel like I was listening to the Misfits for the first time, and it made me feel like I was fifteen and like, like man, dancing. The older you get, like a lot of stuff doesn't appeal to me as much as it used to. Right, a lot of things right. about punk rock is kind of like, eh. yeah, but it it really um, it made me realize that like you don't have to grow up. Right. Dancing yeah. is still being and as oh, problematic yeah. as dancing is in twenty nineteen, yep. dancing doesn't give a shit. No. Dancing no, is not. still misogynist, dancing is still like just dancing. And it's, he still has a place in the culture. Right. It's like you, you talk about Glenn Danzig now like you would talk about your kind of awkward grandpa. Says, well, he's sure. just dancing is dancing. He's yeah. a little set in his ways. Yeah. And he's not gonna change now, but you know, he made millions of dollars doing his thing and now he's got his. He wrote some really thing. good songs. Yeah, yeah. You did. No, I definitely celebrate like this. I, I really genuinely hope that 
he because he's already got another movie coming out and it's like a vampire western or something oh that's gonna be fantastic I really hope this is the next phase of his career where he makes these horror movies because his comics were always like eh right you know right. and but I, this is just uh, I think we're what the world needs right now more than anything <laughs> you know uh, this, that's it's, this is everything before it was just a setup for Danzig making <laughs> these movies. That's how you know we're in the end game in society is like Danzig's making, actually making these movies now. Oh, fantastic. Moving to a visual medium. So, yeah. But, All right, um, cool. Well, and, well, and, but, and uh, oh, yeah. I, I wanted to get back to Boris the Sprinkler. Okay. But yeah. we don't have to. But no, I, that's, that's no, a lot. We do. do. We absolutely have to. We absolutely um, have to. It's funny that you mentioned that the, because I remember seeing a post from you about the, about Reverend Norm's book. Yeah. Um, and I have I have his, his other book, the but annotated I, Boris. Yeah, that is a must read. Okay, and I was I actually was thinking about that because it, it all kind of clicked together when I was listening to Boris and Sprinkler on the way here, and then it all sort of came together. And, um, that that book, there's so much going on in Boris the Sprinkler songs. Reverend Norb's lyrics are, it's it's like a, a whole uh, literature on its own. And when he writes, not only do you get to actually read the lyrics because there's they're fantastic on their own, but his explanation of them is that man is a genius. He really is. Yeah, and I—it's a crime that more people don't know the the work of Reverend Norb. Well, the, so for those of you listening that aren't intimately familiar with Boris Sprinkler, Shame or more, more importantly, Reverend Norb, yeah. he wrote for Maximum Rock and Roll from about '94 to '98-ish or somewhere mm-hmm. in there. He was a columnist with Ben Weasel and, and a couple other people back when Maximum Rock and Roll was a thing. And if you don't know what Maximum Rock and Roll is, it was just like, it was the biggest punk rock zine that was around that kind of carried over when all the lookout bands, when Green Day popped and all that stuff that happened in the early 90s, Offspring. Um, it was in place before it. And then when all the crossover success happened, still was there and just went along for the ride. So these bands that you would, you would you're seeing on MTV now or that were being catapulted into the mainstream, they were first kind of covered when they were just playing shows at Gilman Street or on tour or whatever in, in random towns. And Reverend Nord was a columnist and he was a very outspoken voice, very intelligent guy from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Right. Um, so he was a Midwesterner. And, uh, you know, I have not read the Boris Springer, but I'm obviously going to get to that next. Yeah. But I'm, I'm about halfway through his Maximum Rock and Roll articles. And it's just, it, it's, once it kind of goes to the dancing thing where it's like, a, it's a trip back to a time when like, Punk rock meant what it meant back then, and you right. you did what you did, and it yeah. would never fly in today's world. Oh no, no! Yeah. And some of it you th- you look back on, and it's it's a little embarrassing. Right. But I mean, when you think, especially if you're reading um, about if you're reading Maximum Rock and Roll, if you've got old issues of Maximum Rock and Roll, flip through that thing, man. There's probably some embarrassed stuff in there about the it's it, it was the punk rock rule book to to some degree. Right. right. So I, I'm not going to single out anybody like Ben Weasel for stuff. <laughs> But the, the Reverend Norb stuff is, I mean, the guy's got just the the way with words. And right. There's probably actually, there's a, there should be one of his columns in there about a buddy of mine uh, named John Pasden, who is the, uh, he plays bass in a band called Off-Broadway. Um, they're, yes. they're older bands. He's a big power pop. I was in a power pop band yeah. for many years. So it was, yeah. it's great to hear him talk about the first Knack record. Right. And like, he's so into, he talks about Off-Broadway and Pez yeah. Band and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he had told a story on Facebook about about his column um, that he wrote, uh, the story of him and his buddy going to see Off-Broadway in Green Bay 
They didn't show up. There was a riot. And the the story he was telling, though, was about him relaying the story to the guy from the Methadones. And right, because he was in the Riverdales at the time. Right. And so it the title of this thing became their their cover <laughs> album, 21st Century Power Pop Riot. Right. And uh, Wow. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Another, and that's a great album. And we hated that album. Find. 21st Century Power Pop Riot? Yeah. We hated that when it came out because that was, we were, I'm not by no means were we the only power pop band in Chicago, but we we were playing power pop at a time when it we had done it for about a year or two, mm-hmm. and we were getting a lot of we had a lot of cred with some of the other people that remember the, what kind of scene Chicago had yeah. back in the seventies and eighties, and then the Methadones released this effing cover album with like half the songs that we would bust out at shows, right? And we were right. like, what the you know? And like, yeah, we would see those dudes at um, I almost did a music video for them too. Um, we would see those guys at uh, off Broadway shows, and we'd be like, "What? The f- <laughs> You're in the method. You don't need. To, what are you pandering to this? Just go away." You know, well, like yeah. teenage, or what was the other, the Teenage Bottle Rocket, or the guy's little brother's in another band too that's super bigger, the Telephone Books or something. I don't know. Uh, but they also covered "Back of My Hand" on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. one of my favorite. Yeah, 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 one of my favorite songs. It's like every, whenever I can find it in whatever form. It's, I just grab it. I'm like, you're not getting away from me this time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I, I told uh, John Pezzan that whole story, and he just sort of looking at me, like, kind of curiously. And he goes, Methadone's covered us? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping he went home and looked for that record. And then also, the, you had, I didn't know that, like, Boris, there was a resurgence. They put out a new album this year. They did! Which is why, yeah, when you posted good. that on Instagram, yeah. I was like, Oh my God! Like, mm-hmm. for, and it, I mean, it had to be like what, like fifteen years or a very long time. Oh yeah, so long. I want to say what was the last one? Like Metal Anal, which I think is more of a collection of stuff. But yeah, two thousand, yeah. early early two thousand. Yeah. I still just think of them as I picture this screen printed T shirts from nineteen ninety five. You know, it's like they go hand in hand with Apocalypse Hoboken, who also kind of pop up pop up every now and again. That's that's my favorite band of all time. So we're not going to get. We could do a whole other show. Well, yeah. coming up next week, <laughs> Pat Sisson talks about Apocalypse Hoboken. Coming to some sits and nods. Yeah, I like Apocalypse Hoboken. Yes. Boris is my my jam, and uh, and the Meshuganas. The Meshuganas put out the best Joe seven Mish- inch ever. I just remember everyone hating Joe Meshugana, and I don't well, think the music was, ever like. No, it's because of his stage banter. Right, right, like, he right. He was he was he was overtly rude to the audience, but I think it was kind of a shtick because we were talking to him. Uh, you know, at like the merch booth or something, he was a nice guy, but yeah, you know, he's. I think that was sort of like, hey, come see the Michiganas and get like he's like the Don Rickles of Chicago punk rock, <laughs> and uh, but it didn't matter to me what if he actually made fun of. I was wearing a yellow Elvis shirt at one of their shows for some reason, and he made fun of me, and I was I was crushed for about a half a second, and then I remembered, oh, they put out Dropout Girl, it's fine. Yeah, you can say whatever. He, he wants. It was it was one of those things where like people would would crap on the Michiganas just because of that, and. Same kind of thing where, like, at the time, everyone kind of crept on. What are we done? Talking into the mic. Oh, oh. <laughs> the, the way, like, everyone hated Alkaline Trio, like, in 99, all my friends did. Like, they, they weren't punk, they were emo, all this stuff. And it's like, okay, if you want to buy that, you could buy it, but then you miss out on, like, how halfway decent Alkaline right, Trio actually right. is. Well, that was, and yeah. I feel like it's the same thing with Meshuganas, where, like, mm-hmm. I just kind of probably turned a deaf ear to him because of everything that everyone said about Joe. Sure. And probably missed out on a pretty decent pop-up band. Yeah, yeah. Well, and... and yeah, Alkaline Trio. I bought into that for a little bit, and then I got my hands on From some of the records. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, I got, I had gotten. God damn it! Um, and they played like a church basement 
in Naperville. Yeah. That was like sort of that time. Them and the Broadways were playing that the church basement and at, uh, off the alley or at uh, Record Swap. And um, I just sort of sat on it because I, I liked them live, but then because it was but it was like oh man, but I don't know why they every song they they sounded better live. They're really an emo band. I was like oh. Pfft. I'm not listening to that? Are you yeah, kidding me? Of course not. That can't be this band that I really loved seeing live. <laughs> no, no, I'm not gonna listen to that. And then a while later, I listened. To it. I was like, oh no, actually, they're... if this is emo, then well, I'll never say publicly that I like emo, but right. I like this record. I'm so that's one of the things that I'm glad we moved past was the the emo thing. Oh, yeah. I was driving uh, home from work and I had my kid with me today, and I was I was like, we're gonna listen to My Chemical Romance. I'm like, yeah, man. They're they're coming back, and I'll probably oh, take them to the concert or whatever because we're doing the reunion. Oh. And like how emo that band was supposed to be, and then they became like they're like this huge, huge deal for like the the kids today. Well, yeah, they're. I mean, they sort of got to the point of arena rock when they right. broke up, and but they they made a couple of really great albums. Yeah, I mean, that second one I really liked. Uh, yeah, Three I'm, Cheers for Revenge. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, I and there's like. Certain songs on it that I absolutely love, but I can still listen to the record start to finish. Yeah, it's fantastic. And um, did you did you see the uh, the Umbrella Academy? Yeah, so that was, was awesome. Great. I read his Doom Patrol too. It was really good. I like him. Yeah. His solo album wasn't bad. That last album they put out with um, the Planetary Go, the uh, what is the Killjoys, the the last My Chemical Romance record. It's kind of dancey and techno. Ah, yeah. No, but like, I mean, I, that dude's. I mean, he's a genius. I, I like what he does creatively. He creates oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of good yeah, stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Another great lyricist. I mean, it's that's. I mean, there's a. You can have great lyricists that you just don't want to listen to them sing their songs, but right. you know, you go, oh, yeah, I'm reading a book, and then there's people who are great. You know, you love listening to them, but then when you read the lyrics, you're like, oh well. I mean, some of my favorite bands. I mean, you can really go back and listen to Black Flag lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean that's the kind of stuff that I, I feel like I can't like hardcore is probably the least I can revisit the least I think. yeah yeah. I mean the circle jerks are great um, they're just like a fun right a fun well there's band. levity to them and they are kind yeah. of catchy and, yeah. you know. and Agent Orange I mean um, like Bloodstains is sort of a constant but um, yeah a lot of that stuff and I was that was like a big part of you know because obviously if I get into punk rock from Black Flag and the Misfits, and I go off from there to like adolescence and circle jerks and all that stuff, and eventually come around. It's falling off skateboard music. Yeah, yeah, and that's all I could do on a skateboard. <laughs> turns out, so because um, just like playing guitar, you know, it's just holding a skateboard does not make you a skateboarder. Yeah. So I put it down. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that. You grow past it, yeah, and then you eventually you fast forward and. Post horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Every once a week, you're sitting around and talk like this, and then you sit at a convention hall and you talk like this to strangers, and they go, "Where are you from?" Go, I'm from Aurora. <laughs> Where are you from originally? Oh, I understand what you're asking me. I was born in Joliet, <laughs> and they get confused as all get out, and then I just keep it going until they walk away, shaking their head, and then I say, "No, come back and buy something, please." And they look back at me and they show me one of their fingers and. Off they go. You're listening to Take It From The Top featuring Raskass, Big Herc, and Megaran. Yeah. All the B-Boys report to the floor. Yo, we love, uh. I'm so hip-hop. 
my pent up rockin' windmill. Get the cold show to shot town wind chill. Rappers dressed like Zoolander, big steel, bent ill. Inspired solely after hearing Nazis say, with the help of stuff in Jesus. I went to heaven for healing paraplegics. I wrote an eight minute thesis, got body no Jesus. Just a fetus in the sway of Jesus. Niggas ain't never been able to fuck with me lyrically, systematically, mentally, scientifically, typically just the industry fearing me. This is Liam Neeson and taking you, not disappearing me. When all the real heads cheering me, these coons ain't Illuminati, that's a conspiracy. Not important enough, they just jiggaboos. To keep the niggas confused, skills is ridiculed. But the bars is back, you at the rate of home game in a charges hat. When I'm trying to suck, I grab a bottle of pussy like Donald Trump. What? We hit the streets, bring heat to let the beat drop. Hip hop, get up and do a down rock. Try to shut the door, so we take it at the lock. The party don't stop, DJ, take it from the top. Yo, peace and blessings to be for bringing the phone. Nipple spasm on any punk, holding back up to get that punk school. The hesitation I got you at first glance in Chicago, I'm the rapper that's never given a chance. So I had to take it till I collect what is old, I'ma have to make it. Triple 20 vision, gotta count the third eye. Everybody's an enemy till they approve an ally. Uh, this is the lead, my response is visceral. If you wanna collaborate, but it's not reciprocal. I give jewels, treat me like a gold rush. Jay-Z don't retard you, but never get to the cold crush. The equation is simple, when you evolving your mental, always protecting your temple. It's undeniable, no unlearning the unseen, but some be still believing that you're just a human being. We hit the streets, bring heat soon as the beat drops. Hip-hop, get up and do a down rock. Try to shut the door, so we take it at the lock. The party don't stop, DJ take it from the top. We hit the streets, bring heat soon as the beat drops. Hip-hop, get up and do a down rock. Try to shut the door, so we take it at the lock. The party don't stop, DJ take it from the top. I travel on a saddle when my voice is hoarse. I don't even want to battle, but the choice is yours. You broke is a joke, slipping coke with whores. I'm on the grind, thinking deeper than the ocean floors. Got my goal, of course, with no remorse. My team right behind me as I open doors. Balls to the wall, never going half-assed. Got a proof on the mic like my man Raz had. Take it from the top like you get in the Caesar. High-speed energy, you ain't getting the breather. Jams off the readers, disrupt the procedures. Said you was the rawest, we didn't believe you. This is for the dreamers, the readers, the teachers. You ain't so eager, the father, the leaders. On the dance floor, ball shorts and the beater. The beat so hot, I'm coming down with a and I was on North Philly Corners freestyling. Same time as Meek Mill, Reed Dallas. We ballin', Hank Gathers, Sheet Wallace. We want the smoke, the rap, and street profits. Throw the track on and ran shot. Test this, you gon' need a pen and scan try. Been off the hook like your auntie's landline. Walking this way is like stepping on a landmine. Ah! Thanks for checking out Radio 1 Chicago presents Live from the Lair. This show was hosted by Patrick and me, Janine, and produced by Hacks for Radio 1 Chicago. You can find this podcast at Radio1Chicago.com, along with interviews, new music, and information about different artists from around Chicagoland.
This is our featured artist, the Microphone Misfits. <laughs> 